Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you out there in the world and in the sports world are being safe and continuing to take care of yourselves during this pandemic. I just hope all of you out there are making good, smart, careful decisions. There was a quarterback, as we all know, there was a quarterback in the headlines, and he wasn't in the headlines for so much the money that he makes or whatever the case may be. It was what he said and why he said it. And as we all know, it is the quarterback that I'm talking about is Ryan, Tan- is Ryan Tannehill from the Tennessee Titans. As we all know, the Tennessee Titans, dra- the Tennessee Titans drafted Malik Willis with the th- in the third round with the 86th overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. And Ryan Tannehill came out. There was a reporter that asked about uh, the Tennessee Titans drafting Malik Willis. And Ryan Tannehill said that we're going to be in the same QB room. We're going to be, you know, competing and battling for the same reps and things of that nature. But he said that ultimately it's not his job to mentor Malik Willis. Here's where I agree with Ryan Tannehill, but here's also where I think Ryan Tan- where this is a negative for Ryan Tannehill and why I think he put his foot in his mouth. Here's where I agree with him. When the Green Bay Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre said it is not in my contract to help Aaron Rodgers and to and to develop and to help develop him or to be his mentor. When the New England Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady felt some kind of way about it. And New England traded Jimmy Garoppolo to San Francisco. Joe Montana felt some kind of way when the 49ers drafted Steve Young. Also, Ben Roethlisberger felt some kind of way when the when the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph. And as we all know, it ultimately came to evidence that Mason Rudolph was not the guy, even though he's technically still on the roster for the Steelers right now. But you guys get my point. And so bottom line is, I agree with Ryan Tannehill, number one. I agree with him that it is not his job to mentor Malik Willis. I'm not going to help a rookie quarterback. I'm not going to help develop a rookie quarterback and teach him the things that I know so he could eventually come and take my job from me. I'm not going to do that. That that is for the QB coaches to do. It is the QB coach's job to develop him. It is the offensive coordinator's job to develop him. All of that, I completely, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with Ryan Tannehill. I completely, I completely agree with him on that. But at the same time, just like in a relationship, okay, just like in a relationship, man, woman, the man loves. The man loves his woman. The woman loves her man. But at the end of the day, sometimes you end up being honest with your woman. Sometimes you end up being honest with your man. And more times than not, what you're thinking isn't always necessarily meant to come out your mouth. And Ryan Tannehill saying that, he can can think it, but it wasn't really necessary for him to say it. And now it's put Ryan Tannehill in a in a bad spot. Well, not so much a bad spot, but it's kind of put him in a in a teeny bit of a of a of a rock and a hard place. And why do I say that? I say that because Ryan Tannehill is coming up on the second to last year of his contract. And you ended the season, 
you ended the season as poorly as a quarterback could end the season in a playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals where your defense, Ryan Tannehill, sacked Joe Burrow nine times. A.J. Brown played his ass off. Derrick Henry played as well as you could possibly play against that Bengals defense. And you were the reason why your team did not get to the AFC Championship game or get to the Super Bowl. You're the reason why. So now, Tennessee felt like coming out of that game, they felt like, you know what? As good as Ryan Tannehill has been over the last two to three years, we're going to eventually need to draft his replacement. Possibly even regardless of whether whether Ryan Tannehill would have won that game or not. But that game, right, that game that Ryan Tannehill played, how poorly he played, possibly pushed up Tennessee's mindset of drafting a quarterback a year earlier than they probably than they probably would have. And then you factor in this. A couple of former NFL stars, Ryan Tannehill, formerly former safety of the Washington Commanders and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner said this. I'm going to start with Kurt Warner, and I quote, Kurt put this out on Twitter. He said, I will never understand the I'm not here to mentor the next guy mentality. So for all you young QBs that need a mentor, DM me and I'll be that guy. Happy to help in any way I can. Pretty much what he's saying is he doesn't understand these young quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill saying, I'm not here to mentor you. But if if you want to take some advice from, from a Hall of Fame quarterback, I'm willing to lend a helping hand and I'm willing to help you. Ryan, T- I mean Ryan Clark, eh, he wasn't so subtle. This is what Ryan Clark said. He said, and I quote, I see Ryan Tannehill is on his not-my-job-to-mentor energy. It's not, but, man, it makes you a good teammate. You can win without your QB being being a good teammate, but better for the team if he, but he, but it's better for the team if he is. What a leader. Guess the Steelers' DBs had it all wrong taking time with rookies and crap. So you also had two former football players, former NFL stars coming out and getting on Ryan Tannehill's case. So bottom line is this. Do I agree with what Ryan Tannehill said as far as it's not my job to help develop a rookie quarterback so he can come and take my job? Yes, I would feel the same damn way that Ryan Tannehill would. But at the same time, Here's where the negative comes in. Bottom line, Ryan Tannehill, you should have kept that to yourself. Because now you're coming up on a season where you ended the last season very poorly, and now you have to come out in the second, the first half of the 2022 season. You need to ball your ass off and keep Malik Willis from possibly coming in and taking your job from you. You need to come out. Ball your ass off and at least get Tennessee to the conference championship game and and keep Malik Willis off your back and keep him on the bench for a year. Then maybe even next year. You come out next you come out during the 2023 season and you possibly do the same thing. And you keep Malik Willis and you keep Malik Willis on the bench for another year. But by Ryan Tannehill saying that, he not only has to he him saying that on 
him saying that on top of him playing as poorly as he played in that playoff game against Cincinnati has put more pressure on him than he probably would have wanted to. So now the pressure is on Ryan Tannehill, but not only that, if you really pay attention to the Tennessee Titans, they have not been able to find a replacement for Steve McNair, for the late, great Steve McNair, since he left that franchise after the 2005 season. And Tennessee is still trying to find that guy to replace the late Steve McNair. They tried it. They, they, they tried it with Vince Young. It didn't work. They tried it with Kerry Collins for a little bit, even though Kerry was getting up there in age. They tr- that, that, that faded off. They tried it with Jake Locker. That didn't work. Then a few years passed, and whatever the case may be, they tried it with Marcus Mariota when they drafted him. That necessarily didn't work. Then they went and they got Ryan Tannehill, traded for Ryan Tannehill, and he's, he's, been, the, he's been their guy for the last three to four years now. But he's really a bridge guy, and sneakily he's 33, 34 years old. So Tennessee drafting Malik Willis is their way of trying to draft another quarterback like they did with Vince Young, like they did with Marcus Mariota, to try and find that legitimate real replacement for the late Steve McNair that they have not been able to find since Steve McNair left that franchise. But Ryan Tannehill, the pressure's on you, dog. You said what you said on top of you playing like hot-ass garbage against Cincinnati. Now now you're going to have to come out and you're going to have to ball your ass off now to keep Malik Willis on the bench because if you don't, the moment you have that two or three game stretch where you play like hot trash, them them Titans fans going to be calling for Malik Willis just like that. Just like that. So pressure's on, Ryan. Pressure's on. Next up, I want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins and him getting suspended for the first six games of the 2022 season. And here's why that is a really, really, really bad spot for the Arizona Cardinals. I want to read you guys the Arizona Cardinals' first six games of the 2022 season versus the San Francisco 49ers, versus the Los Angeles Rams, versus the Seattle Seahawks, not so much, versus the New Orleans Saints, versus Tom Brady and the Bucks, and against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those first six games of the season for the Arizona Cardinals are going to be very, very difficult. And we've already, we already saw last year how Arizona's offense looked without DeAndre Hopkins. Now, they traded for Hollywood Brown from the Baltimore Ravens, so that could kind of cushion the blow for them not having DeAndre Hopkins. But still... You not having D Hop is a big damn deal. And I think that tennis and I think that Arizona could possibly end up struggling a little struggling a little bit. They may end up going three and three. They may end up going two and four. Or they may go four and two, maybe five and one. But I think it's going to be a I think it's gonna be a semi semi big time challenge for them losing DeAndre Hopkins and them having to go through that first six-game gauntlet without him and try to continue to keep keep their feet and keep water with the Los Angeles Rams. Because I ultimately think the Rams are going to win the NFC West again. That's just me. That's just my thought. That's just a little 
Uh, that's just a little small teaser for down the line. But ultimately, like I said before, I think that the Arizona Cardinals losing DeAndre Hopkins is going to be somewhat of a big challenge for them. I'm not saying it's going to kill their season or it's going to ruin their season because they have a lot of weapons to make up for, for not having DeAndre. But them not having them, I think it's going to be a small challenge, and it starts with that first six-game stretch of the 2022 season. Coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be another edition of my NFL Division Highlight Spotlight series. Coming up, I'm going to break down the AFC North and why that division will come down between, come down to the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show and welcome to another edition of my NFL Division Highlight Spotlight series where I'm going to break down each division in the AFC and in the NFC. And after I break down each division, I'm going to give you my, my division winner for that specific division and the teams that I think will make the playoffs from that division. Once I am once I am fully done breaking breaking down all the divisions from each conference, at the end of my NFL division highlight spotlight series, I'm going to give you guys all my playoff teams in the AFC, all my playoff teams in the NFC, all the teams that I don't that I think will not make the playoffs in the AFC and NFC, and I'm also going to give you guys my conference championship predictions in the AFC and NFC and ultimately I'm going to give you guys my Super Bowl prediction for the 2022 NFL season. So with that being said, let's get started. I'm going let's get started with let's get started with the first division in my NFL division highlight spotlight series that I'm going to break down in the AFC and that is the AFC North starting with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we all know the Pittsburgh Steelers made the playoffs last year with Big Ben Roethlisberger and they just got absolutely destroyed by the Kansas City Chiefs. But we all knew Big Ben was coming up on the end of his career anyway. And so Pittsburgh loses to the Chiefs in the wild card round. Big Ben ultimately ends up retiring. So what does Pittsburgh have to do? They have to go and find Big Ben's eventual successor, but also upgrade the quarterback position at the same time. So Pittsburgh goes into the 2022 offseason, and they sign former Bears quarter, former Bears and and Bills quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. And then also, what do they continue to do as far as the offensive line? They continue to upgrade the offensive line by signing Chukwuma Okafor and Mason Cole from the Arizona Cardinals. But then to add to that, they also add cornerback depth, depth by signing former Bills cornerback Levi Wallace. But then also they add to their defense and they add and they add another linebacker to go next to Devin Bush by signing former Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker Miles Jack. And then in the draft, and then in the draft to to set themselves up for the future as far as drafting Big Ben's replacement, they draft Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pittsburgh. But then they continue to add more weapons to their receiving core by adding George Pickens out of Georgia, the wide receiver, Calvin Austin, wide receiver out of Memphis. And then they and then to add more to the defensive line, they add they draft DeMarvin Leal, defensive tackle or defensive end out of Texas, out of Texas A&M. And to add to the linebacker room even more, they draft linebacker Mark Robinson out of Mississippi. So, 
all in all with the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is what this simply comes down to. Mitchell Trubisky is going to start until Kenny Pickett is ready to take over for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh has a hell of a defense. They have weapons on the perimeter and and Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and now you add guys like George Pickens, Calvin Austin, you got Pat Fryermuth, you got Najee Harris on the backfield, you got a hell of a damn defense with T.J. Watt and Devin Bush and Miles Jack and Micah Fitzpatrick leading the way. It is simply going to come down to this for the Pittsburgh Steelers. For Pittsburgh, I don't see Pittsburgh making the playoffs this year. I think I think Pittsburgh will more than likely probably win six, maybe seven, maybe eight games. More, more so probably seven to eight games. But it's going. But this season is going to be about the Pittsburgh Steelers building and building and building for when eventually Kenny Pickett takes over. Mitchell Trubisky is probably going to end up winning the job. He's going to start in the preseason, and he's going to hold his water. He's going to hold down the fort, and maybe Kenny Pickett plays this year. Maybe he doesn't. We'll never. I will never, ever know until we actually see it. But for now, for this season, I think that this is probably a 7-8 to eight win team for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers making the playoffs. Their defense is probably going to end up winning a lot of games for them, and Mitchell Trubisky is going to probably have a game or two where he's probably going to have to make that key throw, that key throw or two to win the game for the Steelers. But ultimately for Pittsburgh, I don't see Pittsburgh making the playoffs this year. Next up, the Cleveland Browns. As we all know, the Cleveland Browns last year, it just did not go well for them at all. Baker Mayfield got hurt and things started off well for Cleveland. Things started off well for the Cleveland Browns and they ultimately, Baker Mayfield got hurt. And Baker Mayfield was just getting into it constantly with the media and things of that nature. And Cleveland ended up ultimately missing the playoffs. So what did Cleveland do this offseason? What did they do to try to better their roster? What did they do? During the offseason, they went and traded for Amari Cooper because they ended up losing Jarvis Landry to free agency. They ended up letting him go. They also ended up signing Chase Winovich. And trading for him from the from the New England Patriots. Also, they ended up signing Tavon Bryan, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, to add to their defensive line. Also, one of the big moves that they made was trading for Deshaun Watson. And Baker and, and Cleveland trading for Deshaun Watson was their way of saying, Baker Mayfield, we really don't we don't we don't feel like you're the guy anymore. Now, the way Cleveland went about it was kind of messed up. But I understand why they did it. They just simply felt like Baker Mayfield is not the guy for the Cleveland Browns. And I get it. Even with Deshaun, even with all Deshaun of even with of even with all of Deshaun Watson's baggage, excuse me. Deshaun Watson is a is a is a much, much better and bigger upgrade than Baker Mayfield. So you add to you add to that, let's go to Cleveland's draft. Okay, in the draft, what did the Cleveland Browns do? They went. They ended up signing, or, or excuse me, they ended up drafting Martin Emerson, cornerback out of Mississippi State, and also to add, to add to the receiver room, they ended up drafting David Bell, wide receiver out of Purdue. To add to the defensive line, they ended up drafting Perrion Winfrey out of Oklahoma. 
They needed a kicker. Their kicking, Cleveland's kicking situation was so bad that they needed to draft a kicker, Cade York, out of LSU. He was one of the best kickers in college football. But you guys get what I'm saying. You guys get my point. Also, they drafted wide receiver Michael Woods out of Oklahoma. Bottom line is this with the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson probably will not play for the first six to eight games of the season. So, if we're being perfectly honest, I don't even know if Cleveland will make the playoffs this year. And I say I don't know if Cleveland will make the playoffs this year, not because they're a bad football team, but simply because of the simple fact that Deshaun Watson is probably not going to play the first six to eight games because he'll probably get suspended. And then by the time he comes back, Cleveland's going to have to play catch-up. So as talented as Cleveland's roster is, and they have a talented-ass roster, they run the football almost better than any team in the league. They have really, really good perimeter weapons. Denzel Ward just got paid to, just got paid out the ass, like at least five years over $100 million. And, but, but at the same time, at the same time, Denzel Ward is injury-prone. So you're paying an injury-prone corner who's your best corner, but at the same time, I get it, but then I kind of don't. But at the end of the day, it is what it is with Cleveland. Bottom line, I don't see Cleveland, and I don't see I don't see I don't see Cleveland or Pittsburgh making the playoffs. It's just that simple. Cleveland because because of Deshaun Watson getting suspended, and Pittsburgh because I just don't know quarterback wise if I trust Mitchell Trubisky. So that leaves the Cincinnati Bengals. That leaves the Baltimore Ravens. Let's go to the Baltimore Ravens. As far as the Baltimore Ravens go, as we all know, the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens had a rash of injuries last season. Lamar Jackson got hurt towards the end of the season, and the Ravens just ended up falling apart and losing their last six games of the season and missing the playoffs. So what did the Ravens do? They went, they went and ended up signing Marcus Williams in free agency at the safety position. They ended up signing Morgan Moses to help out the offensive line. Also, they brought back Michael Pierce, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, and then they, and then they ended up bringing back Calais Campbell on a two-year deal. What did the Ravens do in the draft, you ask? The Baltimore Ravens killed it in the draft. Safety Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Center Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Defensive end, David Ojabo out of Michigan. Defensive tackle, Travis Jones out of Connecticut. Offensive tackle, Daniel Falele out of Minnesota. Jalen Armour Davis, cornerback out of Alabama. Charlie Kohler, tight end out of Iowa State. Punter, Jordan Stout out of Penn State. Isaiah Likely, tight end out of Coastal Carolina. Simply put, the Baltimore Ravens had so many injuries last year, and even with Lamar Jackson getting hurt, there was no team that could have overcame what the Ravens overcame last year. But even with that, over the over the second half of the season, the Ravens were in so many close games. They were in so many close games that the Ravens were still were still in the playoff picture come the last year of the season. So if the Ravens come with if the if the Baltimore Ravens are still in the playoff picture in the last in the last week of the season with the rash of injuries that they had last season. 
imagine how they would look with a fully healthy roster. They would probably be even more dangerous. So it simply comes down to, and then on top of that, the Baltimore Ravens lost Hollywood Brown to a trade via the 2022 NFL draft. So the Ravens still have to find a way to replace him, which I believe they will. But this will simply come down to, can the Ravens avoid the injury bug? And can Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and Rashad Bateman and that Ravens defense get back to playing Baltimore Ravens football? J.K. Dobbins coming back. Gus Edwards coming back. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters coming back, Lamar coming back with missed injuries. Can this Ravens football team get back to their 2019 form? Can they get back to their 2019-2020 form? If they can, they will be one scary-ass team to deal with in the play in the playoffs or just during the 2022 season in general come January. The, which brings me to their rival, the Cincinnati Bengals. As we all know, the Cincinnati Bengals made it to super, made it to the Super Bowl last season and they literally had one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League to the point where during the during the AFC Divisional Round playoff game against the Tennessee Titans, Joe Burrow was sacked 9 times. But yet they won that game. They were down by 18 against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Came back Won that game. Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller suffocated the hell out of that Bengals offensive line. But yet they came within a Tyler Boyd drop in the fourth quarter on third and six. And a fourth down missed conversion of possibly winning the Super Bowl. So what did the Bengals do during the 2022 offseason? What did they do? They improved their offensive line by signing guard Alex, Alex Kappa. They went and signed guard Ted Karras. And they went and they went and they got Hayden Hurst tight end, tight, uh, tight end formerly of the Atlanta Falcons and the Baltimore Ravens. And they also improved their offensive line by getting Lyle Collins, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. And then in the and then in the draft, what did the Bengals do? To improve to improve their secondary, they 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 added Daxton Hill, safety out of Michigan. And then they added Cam Cam Taylor Britt, cornerback out of Nebraska. And then to add to their defensive line even more, they added Zachary Carter, defensive tackle out of Florida. And then they just continued to add more to the positions that to the positions that they needed to add to. Bottom line is this with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's just as simple with the Bengals. Can they get back to the Super Bowl? Can they repeat what they did last year? In my opinion, I don't think they can, and I don't think they will. And it's not because they're a bad football team. It is simply because this AFC is so damn crowded with all of these quarterbacks. The AFC is so loaded with all of this quarterback talent that... And it's just so loaded with teams that are just good in general, like the Chiefs, like the Broncos, like the Chargers, like the Ravens, like the Colts, like the Titans. The AFC is so loaded that I just don't think Cincinnati will make it back to the playoffs. I don't think Cincinnati will be able to, in my opinion, and I'm just going to put it like this with Cincinnati. The only way they get back to the playoffs is, is if they win the division. 
That's the only, that's the only way the Cincinnati Bengals get back to the playoffs is if they win the AFC North. Because the AFC North, like I mentioned before, is going to be so damn crowded that the only way that they get to the playoffs is by winning the division. Because more than likely, probably, all four teams in the AFC West are going to end up making the playoffs. Because that division is just so damn good. So, bottom line is this. Can the Bengals get back to the Super Bowl? Can they repeat what they did last year? No, I don't think they can. I don't think they will. Because the AFC is so damn stacked. So, with that being said, I believe ultimately in the AFC North, I believe the Baltimore Ravens win this division. If the Ravens stay healthy... If the Ravens stay healthy and they get back to playing Baltimore Ravens football, I believe this division will come down to the Bengals and the Ravens. But ultimately, and 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 it's going to be a tight race. The Bengals are going to keep it tight. The and the and the Ra- the Ravens are going to give the Bengals a hard time. But I ultimately believe that the Ravens are going to come out on top in the AFC North, and my AFC North winner is the Baltimore Ravens. Coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year 2012. Why do I bring up the year 2012? Because that is the year that Russell Wilson was drafted in the third round out of Wisconsin, and he was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. If you all don't possibly remember how Russell Wilson ended up eventually becoming the starter of the Seahawks. Let me refresh your memory a little bit. Before Seattle even drafted Russell Wilson, they signed Matt Flynn to a three-year, $24 million contract. Then Seattle drafted Russell Wilson. Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson battled it out. Russell Wilson ended up taking Matt Flynn's spot. And Russell Wilson went on to be the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks for 10 years going to two Super Bowls, multiple NFC Championship games, going to multiple Super Bowls, winning one. Now Russell is with the Denver Broncos via trade. But my question to you guys is this. What if these Seattle Seahawks had never drafted Russell Wilson? Think about that for a second. There, I am pretty sure there were a bunch of teams in this draft that probably needed a quarterback outside of Seattle that passed on Russell Wilson. I I guarantee you, I guarantee you there were were teams like Miami could have probably used them. Miami could have probably used a Russell Wilson. The New York Jets possibly could have used a Russell Wilson. I'm just spitballing teams out here, man. Like I, I mean, it's just Houston. You never know with Houston. I mean, you had teams out here. You had teams out here who needed a franchise quarterback. And Russell Wilson could have been their guy. Russell Wilson could have been their guy. So my question to you guys is, If Seattle doesn't draft Russell Wilson, who does? Here's the thing. I guarantee you, 
Miami would have probably drafted him. You know why? Because Miami hasn't had a quarterback like Russell, like Russell Wilson, or or somewhat similar to him on an elite level since Dan Marino. So Miami could have definitely used him. But my question to you guys is also this as well. If Seattle doesn't draft Russell Wilson, is Pete Carroll even still with Seattle even right even till this day right now? That's the question. If the Seattle Seahawks do not draft Russell Wilson, and is Pete Carroll still the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks even right now to this day? And what team do you guys believe ends up ultimately drafting Russell Wilson? Because if you go back and you look at the 2012 NFL draft, Indianapolis got their guy in Andrew Luck. Washington got their guy in RG3. At the end of the day, somebody, if Seattle did not get Russell Wilson, somebody would have drafted him. I don't know who it would have been. I don't know who it would have been, but somebody would have drafted him had Seattle not had Seattle passed on him. But that's why this is what if. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to a second episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast today. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate you. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at quietsoul24, Q-U-I-E-T-S-O-U-L-24. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Jared Dawkins. J-A-R-E-D Dawkins, D-A-W-K-I-N-S. If you would like to send me any any sports questions that you may have, you can email me at jdawkins24 at yahoo.com. That's lowercase j, lowercase d-a-w-k-i-n-s 24 at yahoo.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I'm out. Peace.